Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. The show tonight, uh, the theme of the show is Riding the Wave into 2021. And it's too soon, I think, for us to process the enormous changes going on in our world and within, uh, within us as well, since we're in the throes of a pandemic. Uh, there have been a lot of change. There's been a lot of change going on globally in so many different ways. And our personal evolution is really taking shape and taking hold, or the Great Awakening, as we say, is at hand. We're in it now in the Aquarian Age, and it's, it's just such an explosive and transitional time for not only uh, the people of the earth, but the institutions, the thought forms, the beliefs, the history, everything is being questioned, whether good or bad. This is where we seem to find ourselves. So that's, Barbara, where I wanted to start tonight in in really marking this new Aquarian age and all the changes bringing in and, and bringing in at an accelerated rate. Um, I totally agree with you. I think that, uh, but of course, you know, we've just gone through the progression of the equinoxes, and so there's... There's huge, and, and we just came through uh, a, a uh, you know, the, the solstice so that on top of everything else, there is this immense, immense energy going on. Yes, very much so. And so it was interesting. For the, for the solstice itself, I found myself in the New York Catskills in an area where I call it a distortion-free zone, uh, deep in the woods where... You can really, for someone like me who's highly intuitive, who channels, who is very receptive to earth energies and celestial energies, to work with a small group for us to bring in any information, any um, any energies through our body as the harmony and the coherence of being in an environment like that uh, gives you at the time of a solstice or an equinox. And it was so 
palpable this time, even in winter when you couldn't really be immersed in the earth there like you normally are in the warmer weather because, you know, feet on the earth, barefoot, um, you know, fires, you know, fires through the night and stuff like that, that really connect you to the stars and the animals there and, and the woods. But nonetheless, still being outside a bit and really connecting with a vital, um, I, I considered almost even a dragon ley line up there, certainly uh-huh. a very powerful, energetic ley line, and what that does to the human body itself uh, when you're in that kind of environment, especially at a solstice, and especially one this, you know, with all the energy that this one seemed to uh, embody. Well, humanity as a whole, though, was was already going through a time frame of incredible being charged and being overwhelmed and being i mean the the energy of humanity was was so crazy to start with that yeah. you know it's sort of like where do you go from here well you know i was struck if i can take a step back when i did come home and get through the holiday you know the christmas time i happened to just fall into watching um, a documentary on CNN about the pandemic of uh, 1918, 100 years ago. And I said, you know, I really mm-hmm. don't know much about that. And it, wasn't, it was an hour long, and I was already 10 minutes in. But I said, let me see if there's anything I can learn, anything I could take away. I was just trying to relax a bit. And so I was startled when I watched it how technologically – advanced we are in a hundred years and that might seem like a lot of time to some people but really looking at society as a whole and how they dealt with the pandemics i mean there were some you know uncanny similarities but aside from any politics and that sort of thing and just looking at where the nurses and the doctors you know, what they had available to them to help uh, the sick, the um, those who were coming down with the virus, you know, the way that they used gauze as a mask and, um, you know, and they wrapped it around four times, let's say. It wasn't really, it was better than nothing, but it wasn't really effective. And then you look at the healthcare workers today that have, you know, shields and, um you know, masks and so forth, but even that they didn't have antibiotics back then to treat the underlying bacterial infection that was accompanying this virus. And today we take, you know, antibiotics for granted. And uh-huh. so they didn't have have that, you know. It was just fascinating to see, again, someone who studies a wide expanse of history, both, you know, regular and esoteric. You know, I'm usually moving between thousands of years. So to me, I thought, wow. Look at the advances that we've experienced, even in a hundred years. Yeah, no, I I will grant you that, but at the same time, I think that there is there is certainly the panic of the pandemic. There's the the isolation and depression that goes along with that kind of isolation, and energetically. Everybody was on edge, and and the closer we get to the shifting between 2020 and 2021, I think that it, it, my impression is that it's going to increase tremendously. So that well, so everything that, I read in in a few excellent astrological forecasts, what they what one woman in particular was stressing, and it and it really rang true for me 
was that whatever you have right now within you, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're experiencing in this pandemic, but also let's expand the phrase to a pandemic experience. That's how Archangel Michael referred to it, you know, months ago in in, uh, May of 2020, that there was such an experience around this pandemic as well. And I think that, you know, validates what you're ju- just saying. And so what they were saying is when this doorway opens, whether to the Aquarian age or you're saying the new year, you know, marking that transition, that whatever we're holding in this period of time now will amplify. So if we're feeling fatigued and stressed and, and you know, cut off from others, that will amplify. If we're feeling any kind of joy or even peace or even relief, uh, that will amplify. And so it, it, it really, it's really an important um, thought to consider for the listeners tonight to be mindful of what we're truly radiating from our emotional body in particular, you know, what, what, we're, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, because now it is set to amplify even more. And I know that's probably what a lot of people don't want to hear, but if we can do something about it and make certain choices as to what we're feeling and get a handle on that in some way, I'm not saying any of this is easy for a lot of people at all. I'm just saying that that would help things even collectively. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that, and I, you know, I've always said and I truly believe that we do create our reality by our perception of it so that, you know, because we've been so isolated, we haven't been able to work with group energy as much as, as we would have liked to um, so, that, so that we're having to rely basically upon our own unless, of course, you know, we get together with other people either on the phone or on Zoom or on Skype or whatever and blend our energies that way, it does feel as though this is going to be a time of great awakening. And, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like, what are we waking up to? And that, I think, is the, is the big shift, change, challenge, whatever you want to call it. That, that yes, yes we are, we're all waking up, but what are we waking up to? And and I'd like to 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 add to that. What are we waking up to? What are in what frequency are we awakening uh, up in? So that it, it again, this goes to thoughts and, and feelings and beliefs and emotions. If we're if we've done some inner work, um, some kind of initiatory pathway, some kind of devotion and discipline. However, there's many many pathways. But if we've done some of that and we have some sense of how to center, how to balance, how to bring in the heart-brain coherence technique or uh, how yoga might balance energies or whatever it might be, I think we're a little better equipped to wake up with, okay, things look a bit daunting right now, but I've got tools in my toolbox that will help me through this time, through this, this rough passage and into a better place. And I think it's so so important for us, especially with the laws of attraction, to understand that we're actually, you know, radiating a vibration or a frequency. And the more we can be, if not in love, at least in peace or at least in acceptance, those kinds of feelings that will help more. But I think for those waking up in fear who perhaps have not 
taken the time or had the time to go within in some capacity, then I think it looks much different. The landscape in our world looks much different. It looks like everything is collapsing, like the house is burning down, like the the tower in the uh, tarot deck. And I guess, you know, again, like you said, like I believe perception is reality. So I think, especially in winter now, certainly in Connecticut, you know, what this time can be used to really awaken and learn how to initiate ourselves into a more expansive reality and what and how that can help us rather than waking up in the fear of what things look like right at this moment. Does that make any sense? It it does. It's you know, but you're coming you're coming from the perspective of someone who is spiritually oriented and that does change things dramatically. I know this this is also though that time frame one of the two time frames that occur during the year where the veils are thinning and so we are losing people that that you know are passing over because it's easier to pass over during this time frame so and and that's something that is the same every year it's not like this is something new it's it's been going on since the beginning of whenever so that so that you know there's a lot going on here and you know there um, I see a lot of people, you know, becoming very wearied of this entire process, and um, I, I'm fascinated to hear what what Archangel Michael said. And, and also, in your write-up, you talked about the Knights Templar leaving behind stuff, and I was curious as to what that was. Yeah, and, and these aren't easy concepts, but I'm going to try to especially with the Templars, but I'm going to try to simplify it to the best of my understanding. But just to recap, it's been about a year now since the original Archangel Michael dream where I was alerted to a situation in a local urban hospital, which I believed was Yale New Haven Hospital, um, not far from me, if you will, and how people were infected. And I'd had no um, experience of a pandemic, so it was really off my radar. And then Magdalene came in with a channeling, I'll never forget it, on January 26th. And, you know, when you're channeling something, when something comes, you could be doing a whole channeling, and yet there's a line that comes through that you just know in your bones as it's coming out that there's something big there. And I remember Uh her saying, you know, in a channeling, that much will change in the blink of an eye. And I knew there was something again to that, but I had, again, no... The, the idea of a pandemic was beyond me. And I figured, you know, much is changing because we're going through this great shift and great awakening. And then you and I did a radio show. We've been connected all year. And we saw the artificial rain and the satellite. And we went towards the Andromeda strain. And I reviewed all of that information. And then later on, Michael said, in the channelings, you must sustain yourself till at least January or it was at least eight months, which is January 2021. And I didn't realize at the time that, well, well, how accurate that would end up being, which makes me wonder, was our behavior so predictable collectively? Or was it that they can see future timelines? I mean, these are things I always... I'm very curious about, and also that connects to the Templars. 
Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. But so, so I was like, well, okay, so January is my marker. And everything I've done since May of 2020 has been to prepare through January of 2021. So that was, that was a marker that came up pretty early, early on. And one of the things that Michael said was that if we can stay in the vibe of love, heart-centered, we are in coherence and we can literally hear them clairaudiently, Michael and his group, which he calls the benevolent ones, and they will instruct us and we will get through this time and we will be okay. And so that was really, really comforting. But then some of the messages started to get more difficult. And I really didn't want to share them because I knew that there was enough difficulty out there. And when I had the very last vision until the winter solstice in in the Catskills, um, I was shown, and I may have said it on this show, and I'm going to paint the picture and then save that for maybe 10 or 15 minutes down the line um, and go move to the Templars. But the last one, and I, I don't recall, I believe I shared this with you, but I'll repeat it anyway, that I was shown um, the earth and I was further out in space and I had asked Michael, please give me a vision, a visual, something to know where we are now. And he showed me from the vantage point of looking at earth, but being further out in the atmosphere and I could see the Earth's axis spinning a bit faster. And I didn't really know what to make of that. Does that just mean evolution is speeding up? What does that mean? So I'm told, look to my left. And when I look to my left, I see quite what I would call a mothership. But I kept referring to it as a machine because I, in my scanning of it psychically, I could see no apparent organic life form on that machine-like UFO, if you will, that huge ship. But I knew that there was a beam coming from it that Michael was showing me, and that beam was directly going to the axis of the Earth. And that's what was causing the spin to, to go faster, for that axis to move faster. And that's all I was given. And again, I'm left with, well, that could have a couple of different meanings. And so when I looked into the science of what the access speeding up might might affect or produce, it wasn't good. I mean, basically, we're toast if that really happens, right? I mean, we are. And I thought, well, you know, I'm prepared for that because I've been on this road a long time and I see those as possibilities and – You know, I've lived a very full life, so I guess if that's where it's at, that's where it's at. But I have a heart for humanity, and I thought, wow, it just just seems like we need more time. We can experience. We can turn things around. We can do better, if you will. And so I kind of shut it down after that because I thought, well, what is the point? If this is just going to be, you know, destructive in some way, I don't want to know anymore because – I'm just going to be in the moment and do the best I can. But so that was, so that was the whole, you know, in that, that's a real uh, snapshot glimpse. There's a lot more detail in these channelings, which I'm putting in my book along with others that have been channeled during this last, uh, not, not just this year, but this year will be kind of the core of that pandemic experience and this great awakening so before I go on to the Templars, is there anything 
maybe uh, I need to clarify that, you know, sounded a little bit confusing or does that make sense to you? It makes sense, but you know the the speeding up of the of the um, rotation and even the shifting of the rotation is what the Native Americans have been calling that the sky is wobbling, so that there is a shift as as you know the Earth does kind of shift its axis ever so slightly, but ever so slightly is a big move, you know, for a whole planet. So. Right. It you know it it could also be part of that process that's going on because it is time for that that kind of a magnetic shift that that has been in pattern over the last couple million years. You're right. You're right. But it's it's odd that we're we're seeing it or coming up to that possibility on Earth when there are so many people on the face of the earth and our technology is very advanced. It, it may have been advanced in other timelines or epics. We don't know. But I think even looking at that CNN documentary, even in the last hundred years of all, I believe, the assistance we've been getting from, from um, other sources, other beings, uh, the help that humankind has been getting, been given over this last hundred years has really advanced us and we don't even know the half of the government technology and AI or artificial intelligence that we really do have operating in our world, right? No, that's very true. I think half is generous. I don't think we know, you know, three quarters of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So throughout this year, I've mentioned a few times on the shows we've done that it was actually my son who forwarded me a declassified document uh, done for Army Intelligence in 1987, which definitely spoke of many of the concepts we're talking about. So apparently even in 1987, which was what, 20, 13, 33 years ago or so, that the government was already moving in this direction, although poo-pooing it on the outside. And basically Mm -hmm. they were looking to see, in this particular 29-page document, they were looking to see if it was possible to fast-track remote viewers to ramp up their awareness and their skill level to be accurate and effective remote viewers. Remember, this would be militarized. This would be for governments, for military, for strategic purposes. Mm-hmm. And so they were looking at the gateway process um, in Hemisync, and they were wondering if that could speed it up so that they didn't have to wait for people to go through the age-old process, basically, and these are my words now, not theirs, of initiation, of learning, of experience, of wisdom. That's a longer process or has been in the past. And so they were looking for that uh, to happen much sooner uh, because they had a need they felt and they were, they were in a hurry, right, um, cutting corners. Uh, and so that was done in 1987. So I say these things because, as you were saying, geez, we, there's a lot we don't know. I totally agree with that, and I think we're at a much than even we understand in reality. So when I look back on that last vision that Michael provided, that ship that I kept calling a machine, I kept calling it because there was no organic sentient life form on it. So to me, on some level, that's AI. 
And on uh-huh. some level, it's helping the earth speed up if the vision that I saw from Archangel Michael is accurate. Now, everything in the last year, never mind prior to that, has been extremely accurate. And there's been a lot of detail that I haven't shared because I really wanted to wait and see, you know, is this holding up? And it is. Okay. So so let's just kind of put that aside because there is a piece of it I really would like to get your input on, Barbara. But if we go to the Templars, okay, you know, you uh-huh. and I both have a passion for Renless Chateau, for Mary yes. Magdalene, <laughs> for the Mysteries, the Cathars, Southwest France, and how it's moved through the Holy Grail and the Arthurian legends and so on and so forth. Well, you know, the Templars were a complex bunch. And what the lower rungs of the order were doing were not the same as what the inner circle was doing. And it's my belief, based on lots of research and experiential um, visioning, that the inner circle were highly experiential. And they were working with ancient concepts of understanding how to draw down the energies of the stars and certain alignments in the heavens at uh, solstices, equinoxes, and certain, you know, perhaps maybe eclipses as well, you know, powerful times. And in those deeper trance states, which they were going into, and we know they were doing this in Portugal, but they were doing it elsewhere, that they were receiving cosmic downloads like we talk about today. And they were mm-hmm. imbuing their, their um, certainly the Gothic cathedrals, that they were funding uh, and making them initiatory temples and also places of acoustic resonance. This is where I'm getting to. So in the acoustic resonance part of their work, I have been in little tiny chapels. Like there's one right at the foothill of Peshkardu in Renle-Ben, which is outside of Renle-Chateau. The whole region is mystical and magical. And there's this little tiny verified 11th or it's either 11th or 12th century. It's very old, tiny, tiny little chapel. And it's in Serre, S-E-R-R-E-S. And when you can get into it, because it's often locked down, but when you can get in, if you sing or chant or even have someone one time, somebody was playing a guitar in there when I was in there, tiny, teeny little place. It is such a highly resonant chamber and it's already like almost a thousand years old, right? They were doing uh-huh. this at the foot of the mountain using sound and most likely initiation drawing energy from a rose line, a very ancient rose line from Scotland to, to, to France, to southern France. And, I, you know, you have to ask yourself when you're standing there, why? But you can't even ask yourself why when you're in there if you're singing, which is what I do when I bring my groups, because your whole body is ringing like a bell, and you feel so intense, and it's it's just doing things, producing sensations in the body that are inexplicable. Um, does does that is that clear enough so far in terms of some of what they were doing with acoustical resonance? Oh yeah, and I can relate to it definitely. Okay, so so obviously they were doing this, and obviously they were privy to information. Uh, some believe they had the Book of Enoch with the science hundreds of years before the alleged Freemasons found it once again. 
and uh-huh. I believe I believe that they actually were. But what was the greater purpose? On one hand, it was to initiate themselves to become more master adepts. And again, we're talking about more of an inner circle because they had, you know, on the outer flanks, they had people managing commanderies and preceptories, you know, military and money and commodity. And, and, and you know, they, they were they were a really busy group. I think they were all reborn Essenes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, they, they definitely were working with ancient principles, but there there was this really deeply esoteric part of them. And this is what I've been able to piece together thus far. This is, um, you know, taking in a lot of people's work, including my own. And it, it goes something like this. They were working with acoustic resonance at a very high level. And on one hand, it could have been to levitate certain objects and spin them around. I mean, I think Lawrence Gardner wrote about that in one of his books where he talked about the Ark of the Covenant being levitated up from the labyrinth in the great uh, Gothic Cathedral of Chartres in France Mm -hmm. outside of Paris. Uh, To what purpose? I don't know. Uh, When I first read it, I thought, wow, that sounds really cool, but like how and why and, you know, just to me what were obvious questions and I never had answers but as I've I've continued on this this journey my son says I'm obsessed I just can't leave it behind <laughs> you know that uh that like why would they be doing this I mean just to levitate perhaps the Ark of the Covenant up to the top of Chart. what what would be the purpose of that probably Unless, there was, you know okay go ahead no no what were, what were you going to say it, it just seems to me that that raising the Ark of the Covenant, which was a power tool to begin with, yes, um, had to, it, it almost feels like it had something to do with the combining energy with the energy in the Ark of the Covenant in order to raise it up. Yes, I agree with that. And, and and so you're in training energy, but for mm-hmm. what purpose? So so I agree with that, and and I think that's that's a really good insight. But then again, let's take it one step further. For what purpose? Why would you entrain the earth energy and the dimensions of a cathedral, which were very deliberate? You know, the the inner um, inherent mathematical codes, dimensions, measurements. Why would you do that? Maybe because on one hand it resonates with the human body and therefore the pilgrims that entered in could have their own initiation or awakening as they visited the Great Shark Cathedral, right? Or it could be a demonstration of what one could do with the energy to take away the I doubt it's from people too. Okay, okay. You know, when so so I think I think that's right, but I think there's more. I remember meeting someone living right now, um, and I've met more than one of course, um, people from the bloodline. Um, and this is the Jesus and Mary Magdalene bloodline. And they have verified genealogies. So I remember this person telling me 
many, almost 20 years ago, before any of this really made sense, like I was just touching the surface of it all, that the Templars were very astute at time travel. Have you ever heard that before? Never. So, so they, so they believed that, and this person um, knew things that were so far over my head at the time that I almost got angry because they were saying things to me that were just so beyond my understanding that I was, I, I almost like was embarrassed what I didn't know, and yet it, it forced me to move beyond beliefs I had at the time to even hear them, right? So, so I really wasn't sure what to do with any of it. And it wasn't the she wasn't the per, first person to tell me that, but when she said it, like my bones, like I just knew that there was some level of truth to it. So mm-hmm. in all these years, when I have visited all these sites, both you know all in the UK, Scotland, England, Wales, France, Spain, um, and of course certain uh, locations in the United States, there seems to be a way in which the Templars were using earth energies and certain acoustical resonance and an understanding of astronomy, astrology, to use these super um, harmonic moments to, and let's see if we can get, I can get the words out for this. It's like they put down a quantum marker at a nodal point in the earth based on earth energies, ley lines, intersecting points, so that there was some capacity to go back and forward in time. I know this probably sounds crazy, but what I've connected to maybe because from that quantum now in that, in that site on the land, which I have an uncanny ability to, to suss out, to find it's like the earth calls to me, you know, maybe I remember it. Maybe I was part of this. Who knows? Um, maybe I'm insane. You know, that could be too, right? But I can laugh yeah. at myself. But what I do realize is that from the future time, which is 2020, and even for me these last 20 years, uh, it, it comes forward in time. And when I'm at certain sites, at certain times of the year, which I may always make sure that I am, that I can download that quantum message. And the only way I could do that, unless I'm misunderstanding, is, is that either they were traveling forward to know, or they were certainly working with the quantum now, understanding a science and physics that wouldn't be understood for hundreds of years. Yeah, I I would go along with that. I just think that, of course, depending on what level of mastery they had, um, certainly after the 1300s, um, they were scattered for sure. And um, I keep thinking, I keep being drawn back to Okay, you know, if they brought treasures, and most of the treasures, I do believe it was wisdom rather than objects, but um, they they brought to this country um, treasure, 
and it's supposedly, I think, in Montana, I forget, somewhere out in the West, that the final resting place is. And well, Bill Mann, they... in, his, in his two novels, and I know you've yeah. interviewed him, and I know you read The Last Refuge of the Knights Templar, he certainly yeah. talks about a mirroring or a um, a location in Montana that has Enoch's vault in a way. There's nine levels of a vault into the earth, <clears throat> yeah. guarded by Native Americans even to this day. So that's his take, although we have to allow for some of those power tools or legitimate material treasures as well to have ended up in Washington, D.C. I mean, we just, that's the most logical place where some of them could be. And if the Templars were following the M.O. of the Essenes, they would have, they they would have had a place here and a place there and a place there Mm -hmm. because they never would have put everything in one location, right? Right. No, ab- that's absolutely true. Um, I mean, no idiot would put it all in one place. So, right. Um, right. You know, knowing knowing the um, the value of what it was they had, certainly they would have broken it up. And I know Bill Mann said that he had stood on the place where the vaults were, and he just kept saying it's just not time yet you know the message that he was getting inside of himself was it's just not time and then then as was he said, standing in montana yeah yeah he went to the site okay and you know because of his connection with the indians because uh the native americans because he is part native american as well that yeah. that you know he was able to actually stand on the site and I said, why didn't you dig? And he said, it just isn't time and we aren't ready. Yeah. And and then, of course, there there is the other theory that there some of it is buried in Washington. And, yes. um, you know, I, you know, frankly, with the way everything's going on in Washington now, I, I think they should move it. <laughs> and, I know. And, you know they, they may well have. Um, because what what has always fascinated me is that there there have always been high level masons in in all the important places and spots to help facilitate the building of of, of certain um, uh, structures and and um, you know the Blue Lodge, which is the masonry that most people know are is just the first three levels when you get to master masons it's a whole nother ball of wax and um the secrets and the intensity that that those gentlemen have is profound that's true and certainly scottish rite freemasonry in the house of the temple in washington uh-huh. dc is cited on a major energetic line i'll just keep it at that i mean there was one that I've been working with for years, but I never realized until a few years ago when I was using uh, Google Maps to map out literally how to get a small group from um, the House of the Temple to Meridian Hill Park that I realized that it was right on the line. And that was a line that I believe Jefferson was also aware of, and it has a nickname. It's called the God Meridian. 
Um, and it's and it's just highly energetic. And so they were using that form of geomancy and imbuing certain structures with that fountain of energy to give it that extra life force, that extra prana, that extra juice at the time where perhaps they were doing rituals, let's say in the house of the temple, um, Mm -hmm. which is an extraordinary building that you can take tours in uh, right now. No, but you know, you can, and they use that to heighten the experience and also to get, you know, it's always been known by the by the great adepts that when you do it at that time, whether you're in the sarcophagus in the king's chamber of the Great Pyramid in Egypt or at the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C., or at the tiny little chapel in Serre by Rennes-le-Bain in France, that it's the same download. It's the same um, receiving of the cosmic energy and information that comes with that. Um, which has been used to enlighten people on the face of the earth for thousands of years. But it's um, just like Bill Mann saying that to stand on the site of the vault in Montana, that it wasn't the right time, that this information had to be concealed in the darker cycles of time. But now we've shifted into the Aquarian age, and even though there's fear and negativity and kind of a battle between light and dark sometimes it certainly feels like these these locations are revealing themselves because people like me and other researchers who've been doing this for a long time we're figuring it out now again my journey is 20 years just in this aspect and that's why my son said mom you are obsessed Um, because (laughs) I just he said you just can't let it go and I said, but I don't want to let it go. This is something I'm destined to understand. Whatever that means, you know, however it further plays out, who knows? But but it's been 20 years, and there's just, there's just no letting up with the fascination and the attraction that it has. And that tells me that it's supposed to be that way, but it further tells me, based on current experiences, that that time is drawing even closer. Oh, yeah, and I didn't Alan Butler and Janet Walter in their book, <clears throat> American Nation of the Goddess, Goddess, didn't they pinpoint another place in Washington where, where they believed that there was a vault where, where some of these treasures were buried? Well, Alan Butler pinpointed that, and I don't know if he did it by himself or with uh, one of the team of Lomas and Knight, the British authors, former Freemasons maybe, I'd have to fact check that. But Alan wrote the book on something like Washington, D.C., City of the Goddess. It's something to that effect. And then well, later that was, on. That, that was that was the book that he wrote with Janet Walter. No, he did America, Nation of the Goddess oh, with okay. Janet. But he did a book on Washington, D.C., City of the Goddess, where he uh, reveals the crypt or the vault and then what one and one of the many things that um Scott uh that Janet Walter and Alan Butler do in American Nation of the Goddess is that at least in terms of Washington DC they take most of the alignments um of light and shadow at um certain cycles in the calendar year that are either equinox based 
or uh, I think the rights of Demeter or certain ancient rites, and they have they use the Washington Monument as a phallic symbol, and they use the vault with that circle, that oval type circle, as the feminine, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, even right. the new World War II memorial, which has an oval to where the water is, and it's the penetration of male and female, it's heaven and earth, and they catalog when those alignments um, in the, the play of light and shadow happens at those sites, mostly involving the Washington Monument and things on the National Mall. And what they do say, mm-hmm. which is interesting, and this is how I know it's getting closer for time to be revealed and that the Templars literally are speaking through time, is that the World War II Memorial, which was done, oh, God, I don't remember if it was completed sometime in the 2000s, so recently, you know, not that not uh-huh. that long ago. And the certain measurements and encodements that hold the ancient measurement are there. And then that, that play of light and dark is, you know, in shadow is also there too. So that says, based on their book, that the guardians who hold this knowledge are still alive and well and in very high positions in Washington, D.C., because that completion of the World War War II Memorial wasn't that long ago. And so that gives me hope that they're there. So that's that's one of the things they were talking about uh, in their book, among many other things, the one they did together. And so it tells me that they just keep putting that out there because initiates who walk, whoever they may be, who walk the earth and receive the download, at the fall equinox or at a particular time or maybe highly sensitive people just if they go and visit they may they may get a flash of something but that this is being done because the time is is much closer at hand for this information to be not just revealed because it's been being revealed for a good 20 years or so but to be utilized Well, I think what what has always fascinated me when when we are at, at times and places where downloads are happening, it isn't it isn't um, gosh, I don't, it is not it, people are all getting downloads, but it's only in direct proportion to the level of enlightenment that they have inside of them at that moment in time. In, in other words. You and I could be standing next to one another, and we'd each get a download, but it would be different, so that so that it's not the exact same information. It is information that helps us get to the next place where there is another download. True, true, yeah, yeah. I think that we get the same download, but I think based on our bandwidth, that's active is how we yes. can consciously move with the information and the instruction and the and the teaching and the initiation. And for someone else, it's in there, but it's dormant. And only when their DNA is signaling to whatever systems in the body, the cells, the blood, the, you know, the endocrine system, right, the third eye, there, there's a whole complex system within us. And I think if we come back full circle to the here and the now and what's happening in our world with this pandemic experience is that, it, you know, depending on the bandwidth that we have active and in play where is how we're going to remember more fully. 
But I think that other person, you know, standing uh, next to us who got it and maybe really wasn't um, awake, maybe just starting to ping a little bit inside, will receive Mm -hmm. it, but it will lie dormant for a while. Oh, yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. It's just that, um, you know, it it would be cool if everybody just blazed into existence and knowledge of what they have, but that – you know, unfortunately, isn't the way it's charted to be, and and so, you know, you 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 get something, and and I said to someone once you know, who was very excited about just new information and everything, and I said, it is so cool, but you can't talk about it with many people, can you? And she said, no, they'll think I'm crazy, and I said, yeah, that's the problem with it, but but more and more and more people are becoming, I guess, enlightened is a better word for it. They're they're coming to a place in time where they understand a lot of this other um, material that is coming through, and mm-hmm. and hopefully it can be put into play. I I would love to see Washington D.C. get a huge download, maybe tons of it, because I want to see people working together for the betterment of the country and and humanity as well, instead of the fighting and the bickering that seems to be going on now. So. So we'd rather see governance and leadership into a bolder vision of a more equitable, just society rather than seeing people play politics for power over. Right. Right. So the patriarchy and my work with the sacred feminine, um, and certainly this was coming through in the Magdalene channelings that are in my trilogy for, you know, years already, that when it was time that the patriarchy would dissolve, it would it would uh, turn upon itself and eat itself up, right? Because because now as we're shifting, all that energy and focus on the patriarchy is starting to dissolve. It's they're it's uh-huh. they're fighting hard because they've been in power, and that's a power over paradigm. I have power over you. I can suppress you. I can dominate you. I can perpetrate violence against you. And we've said, I think enough of us have said in this world overall that, no, we don't believe in that anymore. And as we, the people, and that's what America definitely represents, although right now it's it's it's, it's a bit frayed to say the least, but we, the people, from the ground up, must rebuild the new foundation. And so it's on us, too. Like, we can't just leave it to Washington to figure it out. Yeah, they can get the download, and the download is clearly coming through the Washington Monument there as an obelisk and in the highly charged ground that it sits on. But we have to demand more as well. And that's the the hope of the new time that there's so many people doing amazing things in this dark time that we have to believe that we're moving in that direction, although it doesn't appear it to it because we have to kind of go through the destruction zone to get to the other side. Oh, yeah. Well, Sylvia Brown 20, 30 years ago said that um, about by this time frame that um, – that we would go to a different form of government that that the form that we're now um th- that we're now functioning with um w- wouldn't suffice and that that government as as a a feature would be reorganized 
Well, we're supposed to, in, in the American experiment, the next step is for a more enlightened democracy. And we are clearly mm-hmm. not there yet because we have corruption <laughs> and we have politicians rather than leadership and governance and vision. And I think mm-hmm. it's really, it will be up to us, we the people, to demand change from the ground up. And they will respond to what people need. At, like, for an example, I just saw before we started the show a segment um, on a show where this young African-American, I think he's a playwright, but don't quote me on that, young, like 31, um, and a, and quite a lot of uh, Tony nominations, I think, for theater. He's trying to find a way for the theater industry, all the people that work behind the scenes, to find mm-hmm. some economic relief in this pandemic time. And he's going back to FDR's vision of the New Deal, but trying to modernize it for now. And while I didn't retain all the details of his vision yet, he's out there putting that out into into the ethers, in, into the world, and saying, you know, we must do this. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. That And he's young, he's 31, and I'm watching people who are like 17 and 11 find ways to mobilize and get food to people and uh, provisions and so forth. So I think, I think it's really in this new time that it, it hasn't worked for us to give the power to somebody in Washington to do the right thing because there's been so much corruption, but that we, the people, and that's kind of the cool thing of the uh, Aquarian age because it's very creative. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's a very agree. creative age, but it, it, it takes risk and it takes bold vision. Well, it's going to be fascinating the next couple of years. I'm I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, you know, with a little apprehension, but I'm I'm definitely fascinated to see just you know where we go from here because certainly, um, certainly there is a lot of uh, change that is going to have to take place. And yes, uh, I, I mean obviously there's change. Uh, you know we're Theoretically, we're switching, you know, presidents, and and there will be shifts there, and and it's just going to be fascinating. I, you know, I hate politics, but um, certainly, uh, what's going on with with everything at this point in time is, you know, it leads one to say, you know, holy mackerel, where do we go from here? <laughs> oh, I know, I know. It's it's it it appears at times daunting. And then you get inspired by someone who's just not even considering that and just creating a program or an outreach in this time to get to people, to reach people. Uh, and, again, that is, that is certainly inspiring. But astrologically speaking, we have the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction that happened and this opening of the door to the Aquarian age. Now, there is four years from now – Pluto, now these are big planets, right? These are big influences in the world and in the in the cosmos, right? This whole cosmic connection. But mm-hmm. Pluto moves into Aquarius in December 2024. So I think between now and December 2024, which I'm also told aligns with part of the Hopi prophecy, 
although I haven't verified that with my contact out in Second Mesa in Arizona, um, the Hope, one of the Hopi um, uh, mesas out there, but I will. And that in these next four years, the thing about it is it's so daunting, but the force is with us. Uh-huh. And that, to me, in the big planets, in the big movers and shakers in the cosmos, they're moving. And when they move, that's big change. And the fact that the force is, the force is with us and not against us is what gives me hope. Well, I think the one thing that, that all of us have to realize is that, you know, saying that it's with us is one thing, but, you know, so many people think they know how it should be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how it really is is meant to be. And that's, it's it's like, you know, you, you have to be able to go with the flow, not try to, not try to direct the flow, but to go with the flow. Well, I think that's been I think that's been happening for a while. I know when I've worked in session with um, corporate types who are very admittedly type A, let's say, we'll work together, mm-hmm. and some will even come on certain trips where we work with the Earth energies, and a lot of them are very smart, and they get it by the end, and they say, ah, like I get it now. Like you can't. It's no more forcing all this to happen. It's like we have to like allow and like you said, go with the flow. And people are getting that because when you're trying to make things happen that aren't supposed to happen now, the resistance is more intense than it's ever been. Oh, yeah. So you can can go out there and you can try to be type A, but you're going to hit so much resistance it's going to (laughs) exhaust you. Well, yeah, that's – it's true. And, you know, when when – when you hear somebody say, I think this and I think that, then, then you know that they're, they're stuck in their mind, they're stuck in their physicality, and they're not, they're not going with the feeling with what's best for everyone. They're, they're going, I think this is the way it should be, so this is what I'm going to focus on and this is what I'm going to push for. And we'll make this happen. And, and you know something, that's not how it works. That's true. So, uh, and I think we are shifting into a more heart-based intelligence. And the reason why I say heart-based intelligence is because the heart has a brain and uh-huh. it is incredibly intelligent and it sends signals from the heart actually to the brain. And as we move down from that overthinking to the heart-based intelligence, that's the wave, you know, ground up heart-based intelligence. Those are the new mantras of the new time. And I think it's something to be really excited about, although I know for a lot of people it's a shift. And it's oh, something yeah, that it's they don't, and they, and they haven't really uh, heard. But the more that it's out there and the more you attempt, uh, I do very simple techniques with groups so that we can bring that awareness from the, from the mind to the heart and move mm-hmm. from that place forward. And I think the more that people hear that and they do it and they feel it, the more they get it. And, you know, it takes courage because sometimes, yeah, people think you're crazy, but I'm at the point in life now where I don't care anymore because I know that this <laughs> stuff works and the old oh, stuff yeah. is done. You know, the old stuff is done and this is the new stuff and it works. And we have to be bold enough to shine that light. And when people feel it in their bodies, 
they, they their intuition gets turned on and they say, wow, you know, I don't really understand this, but I feel like it's right. Oh, sure. And, and you know, often, you know, often people will make a comment to me about like, well, this is what I want and I'm going to make it happen. And, you know, it's basically, well, you go for it. And, you know, then they Let say, "Let me know how it me, works out." You know, <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you want? And I said, "Well, I can tell you what I want, but I also will tell you that I'm open for the universe to give me more." Yeah. And you know, then they look at me like I said, "You know, there's there's the old saying that that um, you know you you should you should have open hands and open arms and not clutching a fist." And and there's an old I don't know fable whatever that that a woman was was you know she she had in her head she wanted to win a million dollars and she prayed for it and she meditated on it she yeah i don't know she did sage she did chanting she did everything and and the powers that be on the other side were sitting there watching and and one said to the other you know she was on track to win 10 million but if all she wants is 1 million okay and <laughs> yeah so yeah so basically it it's you know be open for abundance of any kind and and you know what whatever comes your way is is magical and it's wonderful and and you know it, it it's i i just i people are so intent on trying to make things happen these days and it is uncomfortable with the pandemic i mean i'm i'm fortunate i'm retired so I'm staying at home anyhow, so my life hasn't greatly changed with the whole thing. Well, I moved, but you know, aside from that, yeah. everything is, is, is basically the same. And I, I, I know that people with jobs and people you know, with children in school, and I, I know it's terribly difficult for them, but, but make it a happy experience, and, and it can be a happy experience. Um, this is we're being given an opportunity to see different ways of doing so many things in our lives. And if you can make it joyful, then it's not an imposition. It's a gift. And, and uh, I agree with that. And I think if you can embrace different ways of manifesting, different ways of creating your reality, even if it's your daily life, right? Not, mm-hmm. we're not even talking about the big, amazing moments, but even in daily life, if you believe and are given some of the tools of how we know the nature of reality works and co-creation and actually being very conscious about what you're thinking and, the, and feeling and therefore what you're creating, it's amazing how this really works. And I think based on perhaps even exasperation or fatigue or or totally being burnt out, if that's what it takes for people to look into a new direction and walk down a new road and create realities that are more um, uh, attuned to their life now in this time, then that's Mm -hmm. really something to be hopeful for. I I think we should end on that and then maybe next time work on how people are actually creating realities and how it's believed that the Templars as well, based on what they learned about the ancients, were also creating realities. I think you'll find that very interesting, Barbara. Okay. We can do that, absolutely. 
All right. I think you've given them a lot of material to think on and to uh, chew on and hopefully um, apply to their lives. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks so All much, right. Gloria. Oh, thank you, good Barbara. Night, we'll talk soon. Okie doke. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And good, and good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hopefully we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. <laughs>